And there we are. How are you? Uh, we are okay. We are mosquito-bitten like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I had that problem last night. Apparently, my wife uh, is especially sweet. And uh, we were sitting in the backyard yesterday. And no matter how many smudge pots and citronella things that we lit, uh, she insisted on getting eaten. So, I think there's only one solution. Mm-hmm. Blowtorch. Maybe. I was looking in the... Uh, in the uh, New York Times today, and there's a company called Frontgate and has one of these things for $189 that apparently will cover an acre of mosquitoes. So I'm thinking about, about buying one of those. Yeah, is this like one of those propane jobbies where it attracts the mosquitoes through carbon dioxide and then kills them? Yeah, this one isn't uh, propane-powered, which is the thing that kind of kind of attracts me. It's, uh, it, uh, it uses electricity somehow. So. Fried bugs. Yummy. Uh, yes, that's true. The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Music to make babies buy. How the motion of the ocean doesn't matter if you don't have the vibrations to go with it. Why researching the signature on that $1 million check might be a good idea for musicians playing gigs at billionaire parties. Hey, you need a new pair of headphones like you need a new hole in your head. How an Israeli company is advancing medicine through music. The sound of the city. An art student goes high-tech to make music with streetcars, pedestrians, and... Birds. Plus, a Geeks and Beats update on our crappiest cans headphones giveaway, the passing of a music engineering pioneer, and why you won't hear Radiohead when you're having a burrito at Chipotle. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. We already knew that music helped make babies. Yes, music has been helping to make babies for uh, many thousands of years, I suppose. But this is a little bit different. I got this from a guy named John. Um, and he was... It's a weird little study that says if you play music to uh, eggs during in vitro fertilization, it gives the eggs a better chance of actually taking hold. Uh, not by much, by about 5%. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of people who have gone through IVF. And it's, it's heartbreaking because it's extremely expensive and you have no idea whether or not it's going to take. I know one couple that went through it um, seven or eight times. Yeah. And it never worked. So, But this was – and they ended up adopting a, a, a little girl. Which is why, though, that even as the study had concluded that it increased the chances of fertilization by just 5%, that's five additional percent you're more than happy to try. Well, that's what I was about to say with this couple that I know. They would have done anything. They would have played Mariah Carey to you know their eggs in a test tube or a Petri dish if they thought it would have worked. Spanish researchers believe that the tiny vibrations produced by music give fertilization a helping hand because they ease the passage of nutrients into the egg and then speed the removal of toxic waste. And what was fascinating is that it didn't matter what kind of music you played the eggs. It could be pop. It could be classical. It could be metal. I would think if you want the vibrations, though, you want the Barry White. I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you. Uh, or you want some 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 good death metal. <laughs> I mean, that's really low, and 
might scare the eggs into actually fertilizing. How about new? Yes, the, the brown noise. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, I cracked my pants. That's amazing. I told you guys. Yeah, that's fascinating, though, the, the idea that it's just the vibrations themselves. So I suppose you don't even really need to use music. You could just hook up some sort of vibration mechanism and you'd be on your way. Yeah, but it's just cooler to say that it's music. Yes. And, and you know, to think that you were conceived to, you know, Cannibal Corpse or Napalm Death, uh, it's kind of appealing to me. Yes. Napalm Death. You never heard of Napalm Death? That should be the child's middle name. Well, it could be. I mean, it's very good death metal band, legendary. Meantime, uh, you've been uh, talking to a buddy of yours who's got the bizarre responsibility of trying to find somebody to play at a party where the the, the budget for the musician is how much? I know a person, it, uh, a woman, who uh, lives on a very posh Caribbean island, and she makes her living as an event planner. So if you want to get married on the island, or if you want to have an anniversary on the island, or if you want to have some sort of special celebration on the island, chances are you will end up going to her and she will make it all happen. Christmas time is a very big time on the island for people coming in with their yachts and in their villas and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. And they often want a really big New Year's blowout of some kind or some kind of Christmas blowout. So I was there in, in December, and I'll, I'll get to the reason why I'm talking about this a little bit later. Uh, they, she, she, we were there, and she, we had lunch, and she, she sits down with me, and she says, look, I have a client. I can't tell you who it is, but this client is very wealthy, and he wants some entertainment for his 50th birthday. This party, this birthday party, will take place on a yacht January the 1st in the afternoon. He wants someone to perform for him and, uh, you know, between 25 and 50 friends, two hours. That's it. It can be, you know, reasonably acoustic or it can be as full on as the yacht can accommodate. And uh, who can you get? I said, wow, that's kind of an interesting sort of order. Uh, How much does this person want to spend? And she says, well, there are several price points. We can start at $500,000. Then... We can talk about people who would charge $750,000, and then we'll talk about people that can charge a million dollars plus. This, of course, in addition to travel expenses per diems and equipment rental. A million bucks sounds like an awful lot of money for two hours work, but you wouldn't be able to get Jennifer Lopez for that kind of cash. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to get Sting for that kind of cash. So uh, I I hooked her up with a couple of uh, agent people I know, and uh, something happened. I don't know what happened. She was very discreet about it. She wouldn't say who it was, who they ended up getting. But I, I, I do know that this, this person that was paying the bill was, was from someplace in the Middle East. And I think it was uh, an emir of, uh, one of one of the Gulf states. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just guessing. So back to your point about Jennifer Lopez and for Sting. Playing these private gigs for wealthy clients can be extremely lucrative. And this has been going on for quite some time. The biggest one of recent weeks has been Jennifer Lopez. She went and played for some thug in uh, Turkmenistan. And Turkmenistan is one of the most oppressive regimes on the planet, one of the last true dictatorships in Asia. And she went and she played this this thing for, for $2.5 million plus whatever else. And she feigned ignorance later, saying that, oh, I didn't know that I was playing in a country 
with all kinds of uh, human rights violations. Had I known this, I would have never done it. Well, a human rights organization has taken her to task and said, look, you played here, you played here, you played here, you played for this crook, this thug, this criminal, this convicted guy. You've probably made 10 million million bucks doing this sort of stuff over the last uh, decade or so. So shut up. Don't tell us that uh, you were ignorant about where this money was coming from and how dirty it was. But she's not alone. Uh, Sting. Maybe we'll ask him about it on the episode tonight. Well, you know, he is our, 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 our special guest. We've, we've, we've had to bump him the last couple of times. Well, okay, we've bumped him all the times. But this is a good question to ask him. Uh, he took money from a thug in, a, in Uzbekistan, another horrible place. Um, Nelly Furtado, Beyonce, Lionel Richie, Usher, Mariah Carey, they were all play, uh, paid uh, quite handsomely for private gigs that were hosted by sons of Muammar Gaddafi. Now, hang on. Didn't Nelly Furtado give the cash back when it became apparent? Yeah. Yes, she did give it back. But I don't know about Beyonce. I don't know about Usher. I don't know about Mariah Carey. But it was a huge embarrassment. I mean, there's a terrible PR thing that, that comes out of this. Uh, not to mention all kinds of awful karma. I mean, you're, this is blood money that you're paying for. Now, but before we go any further, we should say that all such engagements are not for dictators, human rights violators, and assorted criminals and thugs. Most of them are just corporations. You know, for example, Research in Motion. A number of years ago, when they were stu- still doing well, they rented the Air Canada Centre, and they hired both the Tragically Hip and Van Halen to play an employee party. Now, that's, that's pretty cool. That's quite the employee party. Uh, well, yeah. Maybe they should have spent the money working on a new smartphone. Well, this is when things were still good. Uh, Bob Dylan, Rod Stewart, Alicia Keys, Elton John, Celine Dion, uh, Christina Aguilera, Paul McCartney, John Mellencamp, the Foo Fighters, all these people have played these corporate gigs. And there's nothing wrong with it. There, there, There is nothing wrong with it. Particularly in the era of the plummeting CD sales. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a way to make some extra cash. Uh, you're paying f- – uh, you're playing for um, – I assume an attentive audience and, you know, a million bucks or or whatever for a couple of hours work plus expenses. Sure. Absolutely. Just in these days, you're going to have to do your research because at 140 characters at a time, Twitter can take your reputation down PDQ. It it sure can. Now, there's one party that I would die to go to, um, Russian billionaire uh, Roman Abramovich, guy who owns uh, Chelsea FC. Um, he he has a, a an 80-acre estate on the island of St. Bart's. And every New Year's Eve, he has this A-list party. I mean, Steven Spielberg goes and, um, you know, George Lucas goes. And, and Oh, well, if George Lucas is going, then that's dictatorship that I don't want to be associated with. <laughs> well, anyway, all these people go to this, 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 this giant party. And I don't know how much he spends, $8 million, $10 million on the party. And every year he has some kind of live band play his house party. And in the last couple of years, the Black Eyed Peas have played, the Red Hot Chili Peppers have played, last year was Kings of Leon, uh, and they're all paid handsomely. Uh, and, and I mean, come on, wouldn't you go to a house party where, where the Chili Peppers are playing? Well, in, in our line of work, we do speaking engagements as well, and it's a... Same thing! Yeah, and we're, we're getting paid, what, a good million, two and a half million at a, at a time? Oh, plus per diem, plus travel, plus hookers and blow. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. We have a co-producer for this episode. Oh, excellent. We didn't have anybody last week, did we? No, we did not. 
We had uh, Robert Dymek as our last episode uh, co-producer on episode 16, Resistance is Futile. And then we uh, ratcheted up the Twitter promotion. And next thing we know, uh, we have uh, stepping up to the plate from uh, Burlington, Ontario, Darren Sanger-Smith. I did put out a last second uh, plea for... Uh for producers, maybe maybe he was the guy that answered. He must have been the guy who answered. Oh, well, that, that's good. Big fan of yours, by the way. Oh, that's nice. I, I really yes. Okay, well, that's uh, th- thank you, Darren. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we'll send some uh, some 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 good vibes your way. Yes, he's even called into the show in the past and done the Ask Alan Anything segment, of which we've been falling down on that too. Yeah, well, people keep hanging up. Give out give out the number. People, write this down. Write this down. Don't hang up on us. It's a real number. And I, I know it's, 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 it's not a Canadian number, but it's the real thing. It's 323-319-NERD. If you call that number, you can ask Alan anything. We'll put it on the show. Or you could actually just comment on anything about the show. And chances are pretty good, since we're pretty hung up for material in the dog days of summer, we'll just play whatever it is you happen to say. Yeah, I guess it's getting kind of rough. I mean, last weekend was just brutal. There was not a lot of news in the news last week. No, 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 it's not. I mean, okay, let's let's you know move beyond Egypt, let's move beyond Trayvon Martin, let's move beyond the train disaster in in, in Quebec, let's move beyond Cory Monteith and everything else. But but I'm I'm talking about our kind of news, which is, you know, the geeks and the beat stuff. It's uh I I've noticed a number of uh outlets recycling stuff that I had posted back in April and May. Well, the guy that we interviewed, Rich, uh, what's his name? The the guy who had the uh, the big earphone uh, plugged in. The headphone implants? The headphone implants. He's now making the rounds. Everybody's heard about him now. We had him first. Yeah, we did. Um, I've seen his name and, and the stories about him, um, God, everywhere, around the world, uh, in media outlets. So, yeah, we'll take credit for that. James Hamlin had tweeted in uh, saying, nice to hear the dangerousness of the Who Sampled app explained to the new Geeks and Beats podcast. Thanks for the uh, the promotion there, James, on that front. Uh, I'm still using the Who Sampled. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's it's only for iOS, right? Correct. And it's not cheap either. I think it's uh, it was two ninety nine when I paid for it. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that you pay for it once, it'll save your life from time to time. And, and, and you've noticed that uh, Apple, with the fifth anniversary of their uh, App Store, has been giving away some actually some pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of those? I haven't gotten into that. Okay. I, well, you, you better do it while you can because there's, there's a great DJ application that's normally 20 bucks. Oh, yes. I've got that one. The Tractor DJ? Tractor DJ. Yeah. I mean, 20 bucks for the iPad and then 20 bucks for the iPhone. So you can get $40 worth of a very good DJ application for free right now. So go ahead and do it. Meantime, Geeks and Beats update on our crappiest can submissions. Yeah, we're looking for people with really lousy headphones. What did you find? Well, we're giving away a Wicked Audio Solus pair, courtesy of Wicked Audio and uh, the Max Borges Agency. And we've got three in the running right now. Mark Wilson had uh, written, had to send his in for the contest, uh, saying that I'm using some headphones that my daughter tossed into the garbage about seven years ago. What? Yep. He said they were better than Air Canada earbuds, so I rescued them. The foam ear cushions have long since disintegrated. The left ear hook is broken off. It's one of those ones that wraps around the back of your head. Oh, I, okay. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, yeah, and he's using polyurethane glue to keep part of it all together. Uh, do the, okay, well, they're cheap. Pretty good submission. Ooh, yeah. See, I don't get those ones. I, uh... Yeah, I don't like them wrapped around my, my ear and then the back of my head, too. No, no. They, they, always, they always seem to fall. I had a set of headphones. Uh, like a, like a, with, with a, with a microphone mm-hmm. that were built like that. And the Logitech ones, I just eh, didn't, didn't like him. 
Meantime, on Facebook, uh, Geeks and Beats follower Matt McGowan had uh, written, Behold, my current and only headphones. And it's not really headphones, it's headphone, because clearly by this image, the left one isn't working at all. No, no. Oh, jeez. It's pretty Look, rough, huh? Yeah, that is. My dog ate, uh, ate some of my, my favorite earbuds the other day. So I had to go out yesterday and get a new uh, set of... Uh, <laughs> I just got this image, sorry, of the dog on the lawn in the back you waiting for your headphones to reappear. Oh, uh, no, she was, uh, she, she, I guess she found them on the, f- no, I left them on the bed and she jumped up on the bed and said, Ooh, what are these crunch? And th- those are the headphones that I use for, for running. Cause they were the ones that really, you know, stayed in my ear and didn't fall out when I was running. So I had to go today and, and, and go get uh, another pair of, um, Apple ear pods. <gasps> you wait a minute. The Alan Cross uses those crappy Apple headphones. They are for running, and they stick and they they hang in my ears fine. You got to get a pair of Bose, man. I have a pair of Bose. I have a pair of Bose, but the problem is 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 you can't necessarily wear in ear earbuds or earphones when 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 you're running for two. No, no, these Bose ones have a have a gel like thing that that wraps in your ear. I know, I have them. I know, I have that. And there's two reasons why I won't use those. Because number one, you sweat, Ugh. and eventually uh, they, you know, they fall out, or they they they, they don't seat properly, or uh, you know your ear wax gets all over them and look horrible. Jeez. And secondly, when you're running, you need to be aware of some of the ambient noise going on around you. True. So I'm you know running, uh, I'll cross the street, and you know I need to be able to hear whether or not there's a car coming, whether there's a dog running after me, or anything like that. So I need earbuds for running. And I'm not looking for a high-quality audio experience. I'm just looking for something to listen to, uh, you know, just to keep me going. Meantime, number three on the list, uh, Geeks and Beats Twitter follower Jesse G, whose Twitter ham- handle is Grab a Sandwich, uh, tweets, My dad still has these. He was sure pissed when I split the cord all the way. Fingers crossed. You know, those look like an old pair of Fostex. Do they? Yeah. I used to have a pair of those for um, on-air use. And they sounded very good. They were over-the-ear headphones. Mm-hmm. They, you could wear them for a very long time without them hurting your head or your ears. Mm-hmm. But the problem was that the earpieces were on this uh, pivoting hinge, and eventually the hinge would break. And once the hinge broke, you were, you were, you were hooped. So at uh, geeksandbeats.com, we've got under the contest section uh, these three images – Add yours as well. You can do it over Twitter. You can do it over Facebook. You can email us. Send us a picture. Show us your crappiest pair of headphones, and we'll add them to the list. In the meantime, so far, number two and number three, Matt McGowan's uh, mangled beyond-the-rack cheapos, and uh, number three, Jesse G's father's ancient pair, they're tied for first place right now. Hmm. So if you want to uh, join us and either vote on these submissions or if you want a pair for yourself, send us a photo and uh, we'll gladly add it to the collection. And for the last episode of the season, which is at the end of this month, which is coming up quite soon, by the way. Yeah, two more shows, right? Exactly. We've got uh, the 24th and the 31st. So on the 31st, we will unveil the winner. You've got basically two more episodes before – one more episode before the big run reveal. Now, we, can we get back to headphones for a little bit? I want to talk about Amar Bose. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Amar Bose, who's the guy that gave his last name to Bose Audio Products, this guy was an MIT electrical engineering professor. Back in the 60s. Yeah. And – well, no. He stayed. He was. He was – he was a, an MIT professor right through until, I think, 2011. Oh, really? So he founded Bose in 1964, yeah. but still continued to teach. Well, he was at least on the faculty of some sort. Maybe he had some kind of weird tenure or whatever. Hmm. So, uh, I, you know, I was just looking around the house, and, and you mentioned the, you know Bose earphones. 
Um, I have two pair. I have a pair of uh, noise canceling headphones that I use when I go flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have uh, a pair of uh, in ear buds that I use uh, also when I go flying, as a matter of fact, because they're very good at isolating sound. Mm-hmm. I have a wave radio, which is sitting on my bedside table. It's my uh, clock radio. Because <laughs> it was 1993 at some point. It, no. Yeah, I guess it was. I, you, know, I, you know who convinced me to buy uh, a wave radio? Who? Paul Harvey. Good day? Yeah. That Paul Harvey. That Paul Harvey. Uh, usually between page two and page three of his noontime uh, newscast, he did this big uh, endorsement for for the Bose Wave, Wave Radio. And I, I eventually I broke down <coughs> and I bought one. And uh, I ended up buying one for my parents, too. They're, they're, they're very good. I love the tagline for Bose, though. Better sound through research. Yeah. Uh, there are some people who say that, his, uh, that Bose speakers aren't the greatest. I mean, when I, I was a... Um, an audiophile freak growing up. And I would have done anything for um, a pair of 901 direct reflecting speakers from Bose. Um, they were, the, their whole thing was was bouncing sound around the room so it came at you from all angles. That's what direct reflecting means? Yeah. And uh, there were there were other models. There was, you know, I think it started with the, the 301 and there was a 501 and a 701. Um, and they were okay. I mean, I've got, and then they, they broke down into, uh, now I have in my wife's office, she's got a, uh, the Bose cubes, little tiny things. They're about, uh, you know, four inches, five inches on a side connected to a subwoofer that you put someplace in the room. And they sound actually pretty good. So Bose speakers were actually really, really radical in their design compared to everything else that was coming up because you had the, you know, the, the, the two ways and the three ways with the separate woofer mid-range and tweeters and Bose sometimes were full range speakers. They certainly were the cabinetry and, and, and the technology in the cabinetry was certainly a lot different than what, what we were seeing. And, you know, the wave radio sounds really good for a table radio. The uh, noise canceling headphones uh, work pretty well. Um, and I have a, uh, an iPod dock, uh, a Bose iPod dock which uh, is re- sounds great, and, and you know, we'll get the police called if I turn it up all the way in the backyard on a Saturday night. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's kind of kind of sad to see the guy go. He was eighty three. Meantime, earbud technology might prevent new holes in your head. Hey, did you read through this? I mean, it, it, yes. This was very fascinating. Yeah. The concern, of course, that uh, when you've got a, a brain injury, you've got swelling. Right. And you don't necessarily know where that swelling is. But once they find out where the swelling is, they will inevitably have to cut a hole into your head to relieve that swelling. It's called trepaning. It, it's, it's, They've been doing it for centuries. Well, millennia. Head senses, earbuds work by emitting a low-frequency sound to monitor the change in the sound waves as they pass through your brain, and that increased pressure causes the blood flow in the brain to decrease, and then that changes the wavelength as it bounces back towards the receptor. Yeah, so you know when to drill the hole, or, or, or you know... Where? And where? You, you don't want to be drilling extra holes. Well, no, you don't, and you don't want bigger ones than you need. Uh, but one of the worst things that can happen is that your brain can suddenly swell... And that would could result in you know serious, serious, serious disability or death. So you want to have this monitored as closely and as quickly as possible. So it looks that the HeadSense headphones are actually they they look like regular headphones. And I suppose if you've got one on one side, one on the other, that the waves that would go from one side to the other, you could then monitor and almost give it a three D stereoscopic feel just by using those two sensors. Something like that. It, it, it sounds like almost like like sonar or radar. Right. Sonar, I guess it would be, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so now this is an Israeli company trying to ensure that you don't get extra holes in your head. Well, that's that's. I think that's that's kind of cool. I mean, it, it's it's a combination of headphone technology and I guess sonic imaging, right? You came this week one step closer to being a hipster. I no. Yes. No, no. You posted this week that you have to admit that you quite like this idea from Vinylize. Uh, okay. And you wear glasses. No, I, I wear when I when I absolutely need to. Um, but I, I'll tell you what I, I... Okay, let me explain what this is. You can send this company a vinyl record of your choice and they will fashion that vinyl record into a pair of frames. Glasses frames. And it looks like they use the album artwork to help pad that out as well. Yeah. I mean, they mix it with some other chemical to make sure everything all binds together properly. They create these these hipster-looking glasses with... And you can see the grooves. You can see the grooves in the um, of, of the record in, in the final product. And they're not cheap. I think they're 440 bucks US. Which is what makes them hipster. Well, yeah. But I think they would make a, a really cool set of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I'm thinking about using them for. So if you're going to use them for sunglasses, what album would you use? Well, that's the problem. What should you do? I guess that would be uh, a representation, a demonstration of your personal belief system. I, I think it has to be based upon the intended use of the specs. I'm thinking if you need sunglasses, there's no other album other than Katrina and the Waves. Oh, really? Well, I thought you were going to say Corey Hart. Oh, well, no, no, you'd only wear those sunglasses at night. Yeah, right, okay. No, it's got to be an album that you actually wouldn't want to keep. That's part of the thing. But then you're displaying it on your face. I mean, you got to be careful. I mean, you don't want to put, you know, something, you know, uncool on your face. With, like, glasses. You got to get the laser eye surgery. I had the laser eye surgery. No, no, I had the laser eye surgery. I'm fine with it. So then why do you need glasses still? I need glasses for certain levels of light because I was so late in life getting this done. And I'm one of the 5% of people who had their corneas re-thicken slightly. I paid extra when I did the laser eye surgery for the x-ray vision. They asked me if I wanted the heat vision. Yeah. And I thought, why why would I want to do that? I'm not a welder. They never asked if I wanted the x-ray vision. Yeah, and the heat vision, you didn't see everybody, uh, you know, farting. Oh, that's true. That's true. I love this digital jukebox that turns urban sounds into music. This is a guy from Toronto. He uh, was at the uh, Ontario College of Art and Design University. I didn't know they made it a university. When did it be? When did OCAD become a university? I, I, I had to look it up. The guy's name is uh, Mark DePape, and uh, for his master's thesis, he he built this thing he calls the Chime. It samples the ambient noise from an urban area and, and somehow turns it into music. It's using a collection of wires and sensors, 18 of them as a matter of fact, and different sensors do different things. For example, if a person or vehicle moves towards the chime, it translates it into a xylophone that plays up. If you if the vehicle moves away from the sensor, the xylophone plays down. A quiet sound produces a piano sound. Uh, the louder the sound, it turns into a string, and then the key of the song is dependent on the temperature where the sensor is. This is actually quite pretty. I mean, this could be a Brian Eno record. 
set them up at different locations around the city and uh, has different performances. I think it's very pretty. Yeah, nice job, Mark DePape of the Ontario College of Design University. While you're uh, enjoying your burrito at Chipotle, 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 you're never going to hear Radiohead? See, I know a bunch of people who are in the business of programming music for public spaces. Usually it's restaurants. Um, some do. So they don't, they don't just tune it into a, a satellite radio station and call that a day? No, you can do that. Some people can do that. But other people want fingertip control of the, the music that they play in their, in their business. Um, you know, hair salons, spas, restaurants. They just don't want what everybody else wants. They want a specific mix of music. And and these people sweat trying to make sure that the music that they provide works for the space. And usually it's 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 all about big hits, you know. Not not, not obscure stuff. Well it was fine. I mean they everybody has their own formula and their own way of looking at it. But uh the there's a company called uh what are they called? They're called Orca. And uh, they have the contract for all the Chipotle restaurants, and there's like 1,400 of them. And if you've ever been in – do you ever go to a Chipotle? No, never have. Great burritos. Really? Great burritos. A- anyway, they're, they're very much the same in the sense that um, they have cement floors. They have lots of exposed stainless steel. They tend to have floor-to-ceiling windows, so lots of hard surfaces. So you're going to get a lot of bouncing around, and some music would be better tuned to that environment than other. Right, and some music just doesn't work in that environment. And the people at Orca say that they've done some experimentation, and Tom York's voice just, just does not work in that kind of acoustic environment. So when you go into a Chipotle, you will never hear Tom York. You will never hear Radiohead because it just sounds bad. And it's grating when you're, you know, try to eat your, uh, your, your, your quesadilla. This is like the 21st century version of the Muzak Corporation, which was, uh, didn't they set that up in the 1950s or something like that? Oh, no, 1930s. It's now known as Mood Media. Yeah, and they, they, music doesn't exist anymore. They were bought by a company in, uh, in, in North Toronto, and they folded it in into to Mood Music. So ch- music does not exist anymore. It's, it's owned by this Canadian company. And the means of delivering music has changed over the years, according to the Wikipedia. Inventor Major General George Owen Squire, credited with inventing the telephone carrier multiplexing in 1910, developed the original technical basis for music. Yeah. And then in the 20s, he had several patents associated with it. Yeah, and the whole idea was to increase productivity, you know, better productivity through music. And uh, Muzak, um, apparently, what they did was they, they, they promoted the science of music and sound as far as, as productivity was concerned. And, and, you know, Muzak became this horrible elevator music with, you know, string versions of, of the world's biggest hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that anymore. Have, have you, by the way, have you been uh, walking through Pearson Airport anytime recently and, and noticed the music that they're playing? I haven't at all. And maybe that's a point. You ever find yourself in Toronto's Pearson Airport and uh, you just listen to the music that they're playing? I was uh, catching a flight not too long ago and I'm uh, humming along with the Smiths' How Soon Is Now? Because mm-hmm. they're playing that over the over the PA as as, as mood music. I thought that was rather interesting. It's, it, we've come a long way since um, uh, you know string versions of Guantanamo. 
because when your flight is delayed, the song you want to hear is How Soon Is Now. <laughs> exactly. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.